The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle Hyman, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who is going to help us do our own 90-plus minute presentation, Josh <laughs> Morboni, how are you doing this fine evening? Um, Great, great. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yep. I'm hanging in there. How about you? I don't know if I'm totally convinced that you're hanging in there yet. Are you? Are you sure? Things could be better. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that. Hopefully, yeah. things get better as a result of us talking about games together. That's exciting, right? For sure, absolutely. So, Josh, we've had this weird phenomena going on uh, where I live, where it didn't rain for like eight weeks. Yeah. And now it has rained basically constantly for eight days. Okay. It's so a trade off. It is a trade off. So my yard <laughs> went from being dead as dead can be, or, you know, w- biding its time for water as water can be, because I wasn't going to water this. It hadn't rained in forever. Yeah. And to the point where I have standing water in my yard now because oh, we no. have too much water. <laughs> So, that's too much water yeah yeah so that's pretty exciting so that's that's cool yeah we have like flood warnings and stuff now which oh, is no. pretty cool considering we had like don't water your lawn things not that long ago so <laughs> yikes hey but you know what we just roll with the punches right we just keep on rolling you kind of have to right indeed indeed uh the other exciting thing josh college football started again i know you don't really care all that much but i'm pretty excited i'm happy that you're happy that's great. I, you know, now in four years or whenever we get the next, you know, NCAA football game, if yeah. it's even going to be called that, because who knows if the NCAA will even exist anymore. Uh, I'm really excited, you know, just have to, you know, count down my days now, bide my time for the next however many years. So that's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're so. going to have to redevelop that game that they've been redeveloping to just <laughs> call it football. <laughs> well, I wonder if they're going to do anything with like name, image, and likeness rights, where like you can sign things as, as with your players to like earn more money, right? Improve your prestige by your players getting name, inju- image, name, image, and likeness rights. Yeah. So one you can sign to like one of thirty-two different divisions now. <laughs> well, so you could like, oh, I'm going to have a sponsorship with like this Ford dealership, and then my player gets a Ford, and then they drive, they drive a rod, and they look cool. And then we get more prestige as a result, which means they get better recruits. And it just, you know, the cycle continues. Sounds like Grand Theft Auto now. I mean, all of, <laughs> all video games are kind of RPGs at this point, right? Yes, we have discussed. Madden is an RPG. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Josh. So, you know, our pregame topic this week, obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about Gamescom that happened this last week and, and opening night live. But Josh, I just want to ask, you know, when we have these game press events these game conferences whatever you want to call them yeah what do you think is the optimal runtime for these types of events like how long do you want to be 
sitting on your butt watching this live stream for? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. Well, I guess I should say first, we shouldn't necessarily be the people to criticize people on length of shows, but... Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> I, I am happy to be a hypocrite about this. This is totally yes, fine. But I'm okay doing that. Uh, yeah. I really think it depends on a couple of different variables. If it's like the Microsoft show, like that's too long ever, always, because it's, it, it's, they went back to that old, um, inside Xbox show format yeah. where yeah. it's show, um, one to three minutes of a game and then talk to their developer for 15 to 35 minutes in between game clips. Right. Which I think has its place. But I don't know oh, if it's yeah. that type of show, you know? Yes, it does have its place. I agree. Um, and and I think maybe in that regard, the internet needs to get their expectations more in line with yeah. what they're about to watch than anything else. But I think we know, like, when any, whenever anyone talks about a press conference or a show, that everyone instinctively goes to a game showcase, like, in their brain. Mm-hmm. So Microsoft kind of suffers uh, from um, not meeting that. For me, I'm I think an hour and a half is like just about too much, but also okay if it's quarterly. If that like Yeah. It it can't be like once a month you're sitting down for an hour and a half of trailers. I mean I think uh PlayStation and Nintendo really kinda have it down to twenty to forty minutes of just no talking, really, like just the like basically like a radio, like introducing the next song. Right. Like you watch a trailer, they give you a little quick little five second blip, and then it goes to another trailer. Um, and they they can not nail that down in twenty to forty minutes. I think that's good for a monthly like installment of games. If you but if you're only doing like quarterly, I think an hour and a half isn't crazy. I think that's fine. Yeah, I oh, I'll be honest and this is probably because I just need to expand uh the games I'm into. I think it's really hard to hold my 90 minutes when you're talking about video games. Yeah. Like, it's just really hard to to hold my attention that entire time. You would have to have an absolute banger of a conference for me to be totally engaged that entire time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay if a conference slows down a little bit in the middle that has been historically kind of what happens that's where you fill in hey here are the obligations we have with third-party partners like all whatever this stuff is you kind of you know put that in the middle and you start with the cool stuff and end with cool stuff not that your partner things can't be cool but (laughs) i just think it's really really hard to put on a really great 90 minute press conference and i think that 60 minutes is probably better you know we always talk about how just about everything could be better if it was shorter yeah, probably yeah. our show included. Our right? show like, included. Sure, yeah. yeah, you know everything is better if you can cut a little bit out of it. Everything is better when you trim the fat and just really give all of the most exciting things. And while I do think those developer interviews and all that good stuff have a place, I really think these big press conferences or these big events like this is the time to get people interested, and then they will seek out that content if they want it. And I think of. MLB The Show, for example, like PlayStation, like San Diego Studio, does regular streams on Twitch talking about all the things they're doing at the game. 
Now, if you're not into MLB The Show, that's totally fine. Like, you don't need to know that that's happening. Yeah. But if you're into it, like, they go super in-depth into the minutia of how players pick up the balls and and so like when turning like double plays and like how that's going to impact and how much their momentum pulls them away like really into the nitty-gritty for the people who are super into the game but if you're not into that game hearing a developer interview during what is supposed to be some sort of showcase for 15 minutes probably isn't the most engaging thing for you. Right. Another game actually that didn't turn out super great in the end, but did this too, I think effectively was Anthem. Bioware yes. did these regular ongoing streams where they were talking about the minutia of the game for the people who are really, really excited about it. So I, I just wish they would... Hmm. I want to recognize the developers who are working on games because obviously making games is really hard. There was that article on IGN not too long ago about like what's the hardest part about making a video game and they asked yeah. video game developers and basically the answer is everything is the hardest part. So I want to recognize all the great work that they're doing, but just from a introducing me to something and making me care about something, that isn't always the most effective way to do it. And I think anytime we can trim the fat a little bit and make these like tighter showcases, I think they're better overall when that's done. But I'm sure, you know, when you're Jeff Keeley too, you're trying to please all of your partners and ensure <laughs> that you're getting enough money and that you have people who you can talk, you know, that you want to have them show at the Game Awards as well. And, you know, yeah. trying to do all of that stuff and, and trying to keep yourself open to as many possibilities as you can. But, oh, man, that was a, that was a long showcase. Yeah, two hours is, is long. But I I also think, like, we're not at a point where they're asking for people's undivided attention because everyone has their phone on them or people have it on in the background. Like, I don't know that it's like sitting down to watch a movie where you need to have like un your undivided attention the whole time. Like people are on discord, people are on their phones playing a mobile game. Sure. You could be watching other things and maybe that would be ideally why you want it shorter. But I think that they're not really competing anymore for people's like undivided attention do you think so, they should be you know i maybe maybe but maybe they also know if they try to put together a 40 minute presentation that that that's still going to be the, the same people are still going to be sitting on their phones i don't know that that even really changes the end content right because jeff sits down and he he works with developers, he calls people, he says, what can you give me to put in my show? And then he has to make those cuts. So he probably had way more content yeah. offerings, which is why they had trailers again at the pre-show. <laughs> um, so I think like even to that point, maybe that comes down to the curation. Maybe people don't like the way that Jeff curates things. Like obviously he gave Kojima – 20 minutes of content that he didn't need to do. But everybody knows, like, that's kind of that little industry joke. Like, you know, he'll give Kojima whatever he wants, even to the point where I don't even know that Kojima asks for it. He just insists on, like, featuring his friend Kojima. Like, so I think that there's a point to that too, but maybe that's a curation thing. Maybe the person who's in charge of all the inside Xboxes is the same person. And they're, like, yes, we want to talk to the all these studio heads about their games. Um yeah. and that's and that's their decision. Maybe it's just like maybe we should be more uh, critical about the the curators in that regard. 
Well, and to be fair, too, you could easily or anyone could easily sit down and not watch it and just read an article recapping it later and find the things that are interesting. Yeah, in. go on YouTube and watch yep. all the trailers after they come yeah. out. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it, it is on us, too. There are other ways to, to get the content. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, oh, man, I just feel like we're getting so long in the teeth of some of these shows. Um, yeah. And especially when we're showing games we have seen how many times right like, i i really didn't need to see far cry 6 again yeah and i think that also comes into the part where why are they showing so much of the game like w- let us discover that story when we play yeah. the game yeah no nope, you're at far cry 6 are you trying to get new far cry players or are you just trying to get your current like i know you're trying to get new players but like it's not like you're presenting a new IP and you're trying to sell it so hard so that everyone plays it. You're like, okay, we have yeah. our Far Cry audience. We know they're going to buy this game. I don't need to show <laughs> 10 minutes of a story. Well, and the what I was thinking about during that, I was trying to figure out what, if I was on the fence, if I had seen all the content up to this point, I was on the yeah. fence about Far Cry 6, what in that trailer would push me over the like i don't know that there was any new theme that like nothing really new yeah was talked you know i at least from my perspective now just like an acting highlight reel and it it was good you know but and maybe if you're not as tuned in and you hadn't seen all the previous trailers there would be something there that was for you but i was just like goodness gracious i I don't know that your your average person who hasn't tuned into most things suddenly is going to tune into gamescom Right, right opening night live right okay well, hey, that's enough of pregame. Let's move on to the show. As a brief reminder, everyone, Metafall 2021 is going on right now. So if you want the chance to win some awesome prizes, go ahead and make some predictions about the, the Metacritic score of some games coming out this fall. You can enter right now at bit.ly slash Metafall 2021. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash M-E-T-A-F-A-L-L 2021. By 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, September 5th at Central Time, because, you know, that's where I live in that time zone. So make sure you're entering there. We'd love to see you, and we'll keep you updated throughout the fall with how that is going. As always, thanks so much for joining us this week. If you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with GG. We're a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG, just like Michael Masick, Edwin Callow, Stephen Keller, Nick Creature, Ben Moxham, Nick Fallhaber, Paul Calico, Devin Tyus, Josh Barboni, RJ Kern, Zach Adams, Joe Wilson, AJ Pentecost, and of course, Horsegirl69 have. But of course, the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Networks. If you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So with that, Josh, what has been taking your time and attention this week? Well, well, a bunch of stuff. Uh, I'm continuing. uh, I think I am at the end of Dodgeball Academia. We'll talk about later, uh, but you play the game in days, and I think I only have one day left till the end of the story. Uh, still fun, still enjoying it. Even at this point in the game, where I feel like I'm right at the end, they're still adding, they're still throwing new things at me and adding new, like 
challenges, which I think is was surprising and also mm-hmm. interesting uh, and fun. So yeah, check this game out if you have Game Pass. Uh, I apparently I pre-registered for Marvel Revolution, the app, uh, which I didn't remember doing. So I had downloaded it the day before Gamescom, and then all of a sudden we just saw ads for it all over the place the day it launched. Uh, what's pretty surprising to me about this game, it's so it's a mobile game. It is essentially the Marvel Ultimate Alliance we never got. It is fully voice acted, full CG cutscenes, uh, brand new story, plays right into the multiverse stuff that's going on. Uh, and it, it, uh, it plays like a Diablo slash Ultimate Alliance. And it's really good. <laughs> you have to kind of pick your character out of like there's like eight or not eight to ten people you can choose from at the start of the game, and before you pick your character, it does say like be careful once you add this character to your roster, um, they're there permanently. So I only am playing with one character right now, even though I could have five, but I was like I don't want to add too many people in case I unlock more characters. Uh, huge um, costume set. Um, gear, like I picked Doctor Strange and um, I have I, I got a new suit uh, you unlock comics similar to like a puzzle, qu- the Marvel Puzzle Quest, but they give you perks and then there's chains if you link comics runs together you get more perks um, it looks really good um, the, even so you're you're no stranger to these types of games, but as an example, I got a card pack, right? I went to open it, literally clicking click on open and it just seamlessly transitions to a CG animation they made for opening card packs where Rocket brings out a crate and Groot pulls out supposed to pull out a card and he doesn't right away, like a comic like relief kind of thing. Right, and then he pulls it out, and he has it's a baby Groot. So, uh, so he gives you a little look, and then it reveals your card. I was very surprised that that was what happened when I went to open my pack. Um, just a lot of care went into this game, a lot more than I've ever seen put into a mobile game that I played. So, just to clarify something here, quick. Are you, <laughs> he said this was like the Marvel Ultimate Alliance game we never get. like we got a Marvel Ultimate Alliance game just a couple years ago. Yeah, it was horrible. Okay, so you're saying this is like a good Marvel yes. Ultimate Alliance game. Okay, yes. so making sure that we're... Sorry, yeah, that is that is what I meant. Okay. I'm, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm impressed at how much you seem to be liking this. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised at how much I like it. However, it is also a battery killer, so I haven't played a lot, a lot of it. I played a good amount, um, but I do plan on playing more. I just need to have it like be near a wall charger i'm not playing gotcha. it at work. i won't be playing it at work because i i will kill my battery uh, uh what are the microtransactions like you know I, I i didn't look there are definitely a lot of microtransactions if you want it but i'm not going to spend any money on the game there seems to be enough content at least right now mm-hmm. where i don't have to worry about that okay so that's good that uh, is good but yeah and i, I don't even know 
it's too early for me to need better gear anyways, so maybe there'll be a point. Um, it actually has like a hub world very similar to Marvel Heroes if you played it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a hub world similar to that. So you drop in and it has like, it's full of people. But do I do like there's a, uh, an auto quest button. So you can turn that on and then just click on your next quest and it will just bring you to the person you need to talk to. Like Hank Pym or Nick Fury or whoever. So I like that too. That's cool. Uh, yeah, check it out. Free. It's free. Just start. <laughs> uh, well, let's do let's do a couple. We'll do some um, Game Pass games. So Mist is now on Game Pass, and it is. I was just more curious than anything uh, what version of Mist this is, and I guess I didn't know that they remastered Mist. Uh, which is cool. When you start it, they give you the option to either uh, play the game with the original puzzles intact from the from the storyline, from the 1993 version of the game, mm-hmm. or you can play the game with uh, randomized puzzles. Um, but it, it literally dropped me right into the game, just like I remembered playing it on my old PC, but updated graphics. Looks great. So, Mist is out there. If you never played it and you like um, these types of games, uh, what was the one you really liked that I didn't? Um, with the puzzles where you line up like lights to make oh uh the witness the witness so like this is what the what this is the game that paved the way for games like the witness so i would say check it out if you have game pass and you never played mist or if you want to revisit it there's also a game called recompile on game pass which i was just more curious about than anything else uh and that was a pretty fun game you uh, it has Tron vibes. You're thrown. You're like a computer program, uh, and you're thrown into uh, a computer, and you're trying to get into the system and manipulate it from the inside, fighting um, not viruses, but like uh, antivirus defense. Mm-hmm. Defense, and it's puzzly, but it also has action and uh, platforming uh, pieces to it as well. And speaking of platforming, Psychonauts 2. <laughs> I started playing that. I never played Psychonauts, um, but I've been seeing so many great reviews for it, and I will say I'm really loving what I've played so far. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Um, uh, I would say that the action-adventure aspect is more difficult than I expected it to be, but it's also very forgiving. Like You don't just immediately die. Um, they give you lots and lots of chances to not die. Uh, but the voice acting is very good. The control is really good. Uh, so I'm really enjoying that. Uh, and the game I spent the most time with is Aliens Fire Team, which is a game I picked up last week. Um, game I've been waiting for. I wouldn't say that I had high expectations for it, especially, <laughs> bless you, with it being a $40 game. But $40 is perfect price point. Um, they're selling a deluxe edition, which is 70 that only comes with skins. And I was like, whoa, that is be real 30, cool skin. that's almost double the price of the game. <laughs> so I did not get that version. Um, but yes, aliens fire team plays like left for dead meets world war Z. If you have played either of those games, uh, it is a third person. Um, uh, I guess is horde shooter, a new thing we can call it. Yeah, that works. 
you have two uh, teammates with you. Um, I really think I would enjoy it more with human friends playing with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like that they stick it. They stick with the alien lore and like it does. They they will be AI for you, and then they are essentially um, synth- synthetics that are with you. Mm. So like they're the like if you know Alien, um, the sounds come right out of the movie. They nailed um, the look and the sound of the game. Uh, there is actually good um, moments where aliens will catch you off guard, which gives you a good a good startle. Um, they have different alien types, and it actually has campaign, and and it is. I would say they put a lot of work into staying true to the alien universe. Like uh, the stories seem to fit with what you would imagine they would. Um, so that's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying that. And if you get Aliens Fire Team, let me know so we can play. Because uh, I would love to play with some humans. Um, I have that on Xbox. It doesn't have crossplay. So if you don't have Xbox, uh, you can still enjoy it. Just not with me. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, we got Gloomhaven to the table last night, um, which was a nice distraction for me. Uh, and uh, we had a lot of fun. It was a five hour, one campaign night. <laughs> that was a long game last night. That is a long game. Uh, but we did succeed at the by the skin of our teeth. I, di- I perished at the end, but uh, that's okay because the team got through it um it was a lot of fun again still loving gloomhaven apparently people love driving by my house with loud music uh i was excited because at the start of our game when we were doing a road event we unlocked a mission that will uh get me to be able to retire my character the next time we play which means i'll finally be able to i'm just about to max level my character so just as i'm about to max level him, i'm gonna retire him which seems kind of perfect. So yeah, that's everything I've been playing. Um, and I see the first thing you have, and I was like, oh, shoot, I was supposed to try that. And I didn't get to it, so I'm interested to hear about what you've been playing. Yeah, so I only have a couple things to talk about this week, um, mostly because I'm still plugging away on all of the stuff I have talked about previously, but I did want to make sure I had a couple new things to bring to the table this week, and one of them was something I really wanted to play, and something else was something I was told I had to play. So I figured <laughs> might as well get both those things done. Uh, first one, though, is playing the Call of Duty Vanguard Alpha on PlayStation. Uh, specifically, what this Alpha is, is a new game mode called Champion Hill. Now, what Champion Hill is, is really similar to... I mean, in some ways, it's kind of trying to take... The experience you would find in games like Valorant or in the new arena mode that is in Apex and kind of putting a Call of Duty spin on it. That basically, um, when I played, it was eight teams of two. Um, They added uh, trios over the weekend, but I never played it as a trio. I only played it as a duo, but it's eight teams of two and every team starts with 12 lives. At the very beginning of the game, you have a purchase phase where you have $500 and you can purchase weapons, upgrades, all that other good stuff, armor, extra grenades, kind of those sorts of things. And then you are randomly matched against one other team of two. And you play, I think it's a a very short amount of time. I never even looked at how long the clock was. A minute, maybe? Two minutes, maybe? 30 seconds? It's very short. But basically, you play. 
And every time you die, you lose your team loses one of their lives. And obviously the goal would be to take more lives from the other team in your round. And if so, you win. So if we go against the team and we get four kills and they get two kills, we now have 10 lives. They have eight lives. We all go back into the pool and then we're matched up against another random team of two. And after this, and this just kind of cycles through, and then about halfway, midway point or so, um, there's another buy phase where you can go in, take the money you've earned, upgrade um, some things, buy a new weapon. You can upgrade your weapon in game, like you don't have to wait for the buy phase to upgrade your weapon, but you're brought back in. Can do all that. If your team ever gets to zero lives and you don't win that round, you are out. So if you get down to zero lives, but you got four eliminations and the other team only got two, um, you could theoretically, and if you don't both die with zero lives, you could continue on. There are ways to earn extra lives. There are tokens you can pick up to, to earn them. Um, it, let me just say, as someone who's played a lot of Call of Duty, I've played basically every Call of Duty since Call of Duty 3, this was a really weird game mode to have your alpha be <laughs> because it's... A lot of the things that multiplayer people in Call of Duty really worry about, this game mode encourages. So if you are getting low on lives, what do you do? You camp. That is what you're going to do, right? Yeah. Like This is what's going to happen, which in and of itself isn't bad. But with the combination of everything else going on in this game, it just doesn't feel great as you're playing it. A couple issues that I have with this game. And granted, it's the alpha, so these things could change, right? Not well, a ton of time to release, but... I think a lot of the time we do have. Uh, number one, trying to identify your enemies is darn near impossible. Player visibility sucks in this game right uh -oh. now. It is so bad because basically everything is brown or gray and all of the uniforms and the things the other the enemy team is wearing is brown and gray. So you like literally will be looking at like a brown building with brown dirt with brown <laughs> rocks and then you have a, somebody who's in a brown uniform moving through that and you're like I can't I can't see this person like you there are times that I died that I was looking at the kill I'm like I have no idea where that person I never <laughs> saw them and I know Jeez. I'm getting old like I get that I'm getting old and my eyes aren't what they used to be but oh man that is instinct mm, and when you combine that with what the time to kill is. It just really makes the game feel, at times, unfair if it's going poorly for you. But if it's going well for you, you feel like you're, like, unstoppable. Yeah. Because, like, once you get on a roll, like, you can just keep going because coming back in is super disorientating. Along with that, if you get damaged, you already have it where it's really hard to see things. And then if you get damaged, it actually darkens your screen. Ugh. So now it's even, like, the rich getting richer. Like, you can't see anything. You're yeah. Like, I literally can't see anything right now. I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. Uh, really, really frustrating. And I, I do want to say that my frustrations here are not because I didn't do well. I played five rounds and won two of the five. So I don't think that's too bad. As if yeah. I was, like, I, my team was the last team standing through the entire thing two times out of the five times I played it. So it's not like I was doing horribly, right? Like I, I, it took a game or two to kind of get things down, but after that, like it's just so hard to see people. And this other thing that goes along with that then is the spawns right now are super bad. Like you could literally, like when you spawn in and the round starts, like if you just pull the trigger, you might hit someone that you can't even see because the visibility is crap. But you always spawn in the same places, and it's usually right across from each other. Yeah. And basically everything in the level, you can shoot through. So 
even if you can't see them, if you just pull the trigger, there's a good chance you're going to hit people like right at the beginning of the match. Yeah. So it just feels really cheap. Um. So yeah. Also, they have extra armor. So you can buy plates just like you can in Warzone. Yeah. That you can like buy plates to put in. Whoever has more plates wins. Because of the sure. time to kill, like it just I hit every shot, you hit every shot. Well, you had plates and I didn't, so I just died. Like it is what it is, right? So it, there there are things that as somebody who has played a lot of Call of Duty, I'm not super thrilled with. I think so far the weapons are okay. It's always a little weird going back in time and playing with some of these older guns because they kick pretty hard and like they don't have the same fire rate typically um, as like the new, you know, the more modern games. But overall, like the, the weapons felt fine. Yeah. It's just a lot of just the design of the map and the color palette and all that stuff was just really, really frustrating. Because um, re- it really stinks to lose when you have no idea where the person who shot you was. And that's people could be like, well, that's what snipers do. It's like, well, right. But like, scope flare things like that you can still typically see there's like there's nothing in this game you just can't see anything yeah um and it makes it really really frustrating so i will when the beta i don't i know for the beta you have to pre-order and i don't know if i'm committed to pre-ordering this game right now mm-hmm. um i will just say that as a veteran of call of duty and as someone who's played a lot of them i was not impressed by this alpha um but there's a lot that could change and and, and i know nothing in changing in games is easy but there are things that they could change, um, I think, by the time the game comes out and, and make all multiplayer probably a bit more uh, fun than what at least this alpha was. Uh, oh, the other thing, too, is name ta- nameplates. So sometimes the nameplates are there. Sometimes they're not. I don't know oh. what the rationale behind it was. Like, literally, I had someone standing right next to me that I thought was my teammate, totally the enemy team, but, like, they did not show up, like, red above. Like, I was like, I don't I don't know what's going on. Here, so... <laughs> So, yeah. But anyway, that's the Call of Duty Vanguard Champion Hill Alpha. If you missed it, uh, I don't think you missed too much, to be totally <laughs> honest. Uh, the other thing that I played is a board game slash uh, deck builder called Asonia. Um, this is a game that Josh and I both backed on Kickstarter not all that long ago. Just got it in the mail, I think, over the summer, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, it's designed by Zoltan Simon uh, and published by Lycan Studio. So, for the most part, Asonia is going to be uh, a pretty – it's going to take a lot of the standard tropes you see in deck building. Uh, everyone starts with a generic um, starter deck that has basically kind of your low-level per- cards for purchasing. Uh, but one thing that they do a little bit different in Asonia is that there are different types of resources. So, there's three different gems that exist, um, and then a fourth one that's basically wild. So, you have like – I know they have actual names, but I can't remember. But you have a blue square, a red like circle, and a green diamond. Uh, and then certain cards uh, on your turn, you play out your cards. You can use those cards then to purchase either other more powerful gem cards or um, cards that they call favor cards. And those favorite cards are going to be where you start incorporating like abilities into what you're doing. Um, and then like most deck builders, the goal in this case is to actually get to a certain influence point um, or a certain influence score. You got to get to 60 influence. Um, and the way you earn influence is by playing those favorite cards. They will unlock. Sometimes when you play them, it'll be like, oh, you know, play this card, pay one, you know, blue gem and you earn four influence or whatever it might be. So really you're just kind of cycling through, trying to increase your influence, trying to be the first person to get that 60. A couple things though that this 
deck builder does differently than most other deck builders. Number one, having ostensibly the multiple types of currency, right? Because you yeah. have the blue, you have the red, you have the green. So you have to think about when you're buying like um, the more powerful gem cards, like how do you kind of want to balance these things out? And I think this is a game that the more you play, you might have a better idea of if there are certain gems that work better for you or if it's really balanced across. That's something I don't quite have a grasp on right now because I haven't played it enough to know do certain gems tie more to certain factions and certain color cards and to certain abilities than others? I just don't know right now. Uh, it seems pretty all over the place, but I, that could, like I said, I've only played a couple times, so I could be wrong about that. But that is one thing that's different is having those different thing, those different um, cards. The other thing that they do that is that they have um, on the favor cards both abilities that are like, hey, pay something and this thing happens, but they also have abilities that are like if you did something then it triggers something so it'd be like oh if you played a card that had um, a certain keyword awesome now this ability happens or if you had a activated an ability belonging to a certain guild then this thing happens so how you pay for things to happen on the favor cards isn't just distinctly tied to the resources you have with the gems which i think is kind of different a little bit unique um and a, and a neat way to kind of approach that. But the most interesting thing that they do um, is they have, you can construct what they call sources. And in the, in deck building games, almost universally, the biggest thing is you're trying to thin out your deck to try to get to get it so that you are playing the most powerful cards as often as you can, right? So that's really kind of what you're trying to do is at the beginning, you're using the cheap cards to buy better cards. And then once you get a certain amount um, of good cards, you want to start trying to get rid of the cheap cards because you want to be pulling those powerful cards as often as you can. Well, what the sources ability does is it lets you actively discard cards to create permanent resources um, in your play area. So if you, you can discard a card and then add a specific gem to it, like say you add a blue square gem, you will always have at least one blue square gem then on your turn. Maybe you do it with the green diamond, you will always have the green diamond. And the cool thing is, is that you have to have a foundation, which is just any card, and then the, a gem card on top. So ostensibly, you're getting you're thinning out both the junk card that you don't want, that's the foundation, and then the gem card, but you're not losing the gem card because it's just available to you then every single turn moving forward, but you're mm. not having to draw it to play it. So it's a really kind of unique and different way at thinning out your deck, but in a way that still feels like you're getting value out of those cards that you're not just throwing them away. Cause that's typically what it is is you're like, how do I just discard this card or how do I exile this card or remove it from the game somehow is yeah. the way most deck builders handle it. But th so that's kind of a, like a unique little thing that they do is having these sources that you can construct. Um, the other thing that they do, I think that's a little bit different is that they have a lot of keywords um, or a lot of abilities that allow you to really manipulate the order you're going to draw cards in. So it really encourages you to focus on combos because you can literally, there's abilities to like look through your entire discard pile and order how, how you know, X cards. So if you were like, oh, I did it for three, awesome. Find three cards from your discard pile, put them on top of your deck in the exact order that you want them. Like it really, really encourages deck manipulation and ordering cards and building those combos to get you to that 60 influence as quickly as you can. Um, there is a solo version of this game. I haven't played it yet. Uh, reviews online for the solo version are really good, though. People really yeah. seem to like the solo campaign. Apparently, it's very in-depth. Um, 
I do have some nits to pick. Uh, the the instruction booklet is not good. Yeah. Um, the rules are a little unclear when you're playing. Um, like one example is for when it talks about the sources. Um, the creating sources is something that they talk about like at the very very end of the rules, and they're like, oh, you can create a source in your turn only, and then it tells you to put things in your raise area. But they've never mentioned a raise area before until then. So you're like, well, what the heck is this thing? Is is this like a comment? Does do we each have one at raise area? Is there like one common for everyone at the table? Like, what is this area? They never explain it. They don't explain it at oh all. And I don't know why that can't just be like your play area, but whatever. Um, and the font, like the type on it is really, really small. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's a very short um rule book because the font, I don't know, is like seven point font like it's so ridiculously small and i don't have glasses and i could still read it just fine but oh boy if you're someone who's a little hard to see in oh gonna be tough to read that so overall um i like the game it i want to play it more before i pass a really definitive judgment on this as to where it fits in deck builders for me i i hmm I don't like it as much as other deck builders I've played, but I don't know why. Because it does some really unique things that I think are awesome. Like, I think creating that source um, resource for you and having the ability to always access those cards and how that thins out your deck is really cool. And I've never seen something do it exactly in that way where you're thinning your deck, but it still feels helpful to you rather than just dumping stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. I will continue to play it. But, yeah, I don't. I like it, but I don't know if I love it or just like it, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, that makes so, sense. So, yeah. Have you played this yet? <clears throat> not yet. Not yet. I was waiting to see what you thought. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely worth a play, especially if you enjoy deck builders. Um, it's a really small box, and it does a lot of cool things for the size of the box that it's in. Um, there are expansions to it. I haven't played the expansions. I do have two of the expansions for it, though. Uh, but like I said, overall, if you like deck builders and you're looking for like a, a unique take on deck builders, I think it's definitely worth a shot. Because um, like I said, I don't think it's super expensive. Um, and, and it's going to give you some different experiences you're not going to find elsewhere. So Nice. Cool. All right, Josh, let's move on to our topics of the show. What is your first topic this week? Well, Kyle, when you were playing Call of Duty uh, Vanguard, did you get any ads for their new expansion? For Call of <laughs> I see where you're going with this. <laughs> no, I didn't, Josh, but I did get a whole lot of ads encouraging me to pre-order the game. Oh, that makes sense. Well, we have uh, <laughs> Call of Duty Shredder's Revenge coming coming soon. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> in a really crazy more bizarre uh, update to the crazy already bizarre situation with Activision Blizzard um, being sued by the state of California. Well, they also, uh, they will be, um, uh, uh, what's the word I want to use here? Uh, adding more charges to the, to, to Blizzard Activision or, uh, to some degree, uh, they are the state of California is alleging. I have to say alleging because, uh, of course, Activision Blizzard denies this, uh, as anyone would. Uh, <laughs> that uh, they Activision Blizzard HR has shredded documents um, in potentially in relation to what's going on. Potentially not, um, but I think what is clear. Um, just from some um, blurbs, is they have uh, shredded documents earlier than they should have been shredded 
At least that's what the state of California is alleging. And having worked in retail, I can confirm, I would say every workplace uh, requires you to hold on to documents for a certain amount of time. Yes. Um, and usually it's legally, there are legal reasons why you're doing that. Right. Um, so it is being implied by the state of California that they uh, shredded some uh, sensitive information regarding the current HR woes that they are experiencing. I do want to say, if you want real in-depth info on this, um, Bruce Green and um, Lawrence, I don't remember his last name, formerly of Funhouse, now they're on their own. They have a, a channel called Inside Games on YouTube where they really dug deep into all the charges and they talk about exactly what happened and uh, it's pretty damning <laughs> I would say from the they get into the specifics about like what was shredded and who did it and when and a lot of this happened uh, after the first lawsuit was brought to light in fact some of it is on current HR claims with current employees uh, so it's not looking uh great for Activision Blizzard. That being said, um, it is still being alleged. We don't know yet what has happened. But um, the original story, this is from Eurogamer.net, um, talks about how the state of California has beefed up its legal battle and accused the firm's HR department of shredding documents related to staff complaints and internal investigations. Um, California says that they should have been kept pending its own legal investigation. So I think if you've ever watched like a true crime, either documentary or drama on Netflix or Hulu, you always see people's documents get seized, right? Like someone says under investigation, sees all their documents. And then you see some movies, people frantically shredding things. <laughs> and it seems to be, like right out of a movie. Um, uh, some of them were in regards to NDAs, um, which they had their staff um, signed, so they couldn't speak out about what was going on um, currently. Like they're hiring people now, making them sign NDAs, which is crazy, I guess. In my head, it seems crazy. Um, what do you think about this a little tale development to this story? Well, I'm not surprised, <laughs> right? I feel like a company in this situation uh, is probably doing just about everything they can to try to protect themselves and those in power within the company, or I should say those in power in the company are probably doing everything they can to protect themselves. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's interesting that in their response, in the Activision Blizzard response, they said that they have complied with every proper request in support of its review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then they're like, oh, wait, they're asking for this thing, but they didn't do it the right way. Well, let's just get rid of it so that when they ask for it the right way, we don't have it anymore. But, yeah. I, I'm not surprised by this. It's just, I don't, shouldn't even say it's disappointing. It's not I, because it's just what I would expect from <laughs> them to do. Uh, it's also 
Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just say at this point, I I don't know what would have to happen for me to be surprised. Like, I, them to be like, "Yo, our bad, all the executives are leaving." Like that would be surprising, right? <laughs> but everything that they could possibly do to save their own butts is not surprising to me in the least. It's funny because they put out this whole this whole uh, I wouldn't call it lengthy, but length ish uh, reply, and they do everything but deny it until the very last sentence. Yeah. Everything else is just kind of like ma- trying to make themselves look good. Like, we've changed this and we've changed that. Still not directly addressing the shredding <laughs> accusations. Nope. nope. You're just like, we're doing all these things and greater transparency on pay equity. Well, yeah, that's great. You should have been doing that anyways. But you're addressing claims that you're illegally shredding documents and you don't even... uh address that till the very end in a sad two-sentence paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think appropriate steps to preserve information relevant. Well, right. Relevant by whose decision? Like, who determined right. what was relevant? Yes. Um, and we can uh, just the tail end on that, if you want. We can talk quickly about uh, the other thing that happened with uh, Activision Blizzard over the weekend or over the week was the change to a character in Overwatch. Oh, yeah. Where they will be, I guess, changing McCree's entire name, but not his image, or what? Do you know what they're doing with that? So, yeah, in, and I'm speaking purely from memory at this point because it's not in the show doc, but we'll figure yeah. it out. So, yeah, so Overwatch <laughs> came out and said that they're going to be changing uh, Jesse McCree's name. Um, Jesse McCree was named after a Blizzard employee who no longer is with the company based off of. Many of the allegations that are part of everything kind of swirling right now with Activision Blizzard. Uh, so Overwatch came out and said, or the Overwatch team came out and said that they are going to be renaming um, McCree moving forward. That, you know, they will see when that change happens. That historical thing, so things that have already happened, uh, they're not going to be changing. So any, like, the comics and things that exist with his name as McCree, they're going to leave as is. Now... The question will be, is this going to be worked into story somehow where like they're like, oh, we changed his name, blah, 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 so that it kind of fits the narrative of the game big ter- time or if they're just going to change it and it just is what it is, you know, right. excuse me. So we'll have to see what happens there. Um, I don't think they're going to change his image at all because he didn't really look like. Sure. The other that would be confusing, McCree. right? Yeah, he, he was his own um, character design. Uh, but they just thought the name sounded like a cowboy name, so that's why they used it. Mm. Um, so yeah, and you know we had some discussions in our Discord about this. I am on the side of I think this is a good decision, uh, especially if it was the team who decided they wanted to do this. Right. Uh, if the Overwatch team said, "Hey, you know what? We want to make this change." Now, this should not be the only thing that happens, right? This is not the the band aid to fix the whole problem. Right. This is just one step. And if they can change his name so that the team doesn't have to call him McCree every time they're working on him and, and thinking of what that name means and who that name you know represents to them, yeah, um, I'm all for it. So if the team feels like this is going to be helpful to them, go ahead and do it. That totally works for me. Um, and in general, most of the Overwatch community is supportive of it as well. There are obviously some who are like, well, it doesn't matter. Everyone's going to call him McCree anyway. That's fine. Like That doesn't really matter right like if the team thinks this is important awesome and, yeah you know overwatch league announcers were already not calling him by his name uh so yeah i'm i'm all for this i think it's a good decision that you know it sounds like it came from the team um so if that's what they want to do like i said i am fully in favor so nice very cool 
All right. Well, Josh, my first story this week. Why play board games when you can just read about them, Josh? This story coming from the fine <laughs> folks over at Dicebreaker. Pandemic, Mysterium, and Legend of the Five Rings are being turned into comics. So the story talks about how the co-op smash hit, spooky deduction game, and long-running franchise, which spans a tabletop RPG, 90s trading card game, and recent living card game reboot, will receive comics based on their respective settings as part of a new licensing deal inked by Asmodee, the tabletop behemoth that owns the titles respective publisher Z-Man, Libelude, and Fantasy Flight Games. Behind the upcoming board game comics is Source Point Press, which previously released Gloomhaven Fallen Lion, a one-shot comic based on the fantasy dungeon crawler. So, Josh, A, have you read the Gloomhaven Fallen Lion comic? I haven't. Um, uh, it keeps popping up. I, who sells it? Someone who I'm on like a newsletter sells it. I think it is... Uh, shoot. Well, um, I think it's Emperor S4 Games, maybe, that sells it now. But um, I do want to get it. I just haven't grabbed it yet. Gotcha. Uh, any interest, then, Josh, in picking these comics up when they release sometime in 2022, which it sounds like it's currently slated for? I think, oddly enough, I'm most interested in reading The Legend of the Five Rings because it's a game I've always wanted to try. Mm-hmm. And um, the theme plays into something I'd be more interested in reading. I don't know that I want to be reading about pandemics after the past two years of our lives uh, more. And Mysterium, I like the idea of living through the story, playing the game. Um, but I mean, I would be up. I'd be. I would. I would like be game and, and checking out any of them to see what they're about. I do think it's interesting. Pandemic, and I know these are not direct equivalents, but in my mind, this is where I go. For Pandemic, I feel like I would be reading a Division comic book. Yeah, I mean, that they could, if yeah, they could make that work, I think, for me, for to uh, enjoy it that way. And for Mysterium, I think of The Haunted Mansion, and I've seen that movie, and that movie was, you know, a thing. Yeah. like So that's where I go with those. Sure. So. But yeah, I think Legend of the Five Rings is actually, you know, from a world-building perspective, I think the most well-built-out world of all of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you could make the argument for Pandemic, but I, th- I think Pandemic in some ways is actually pretty generic. Yes. You yes. know, compared to this. So I do think Legend of the Five Rings is definitely the most intriguing of these uh, properties to be made into comics. And it sounds like these are not going to be one-offs, or or do you think they're going to be one-offs? They'll probably be one-offs uh, or limited print run and then if it's successful they can do right. more but most most of the times it's you'll see something like this and it'll be you know one of five right yeah it's kind of i'm thinking yeah a short run like that is is what i anticipate for all of these but maybe it'll just be a one shot just to see how they do yeah um with these josh are there any other board games that you would like to see made into comics obviously you know i think the probably most common one gloomhaven already has one yeah any other board games that you want to see made into a comic I, I mean, they're all ripe for comic books. I think Everdell would make a great comic. Um, even Tidal Blades, uh, Dice, Th- Dice Throne. I really feel like I could look at probably most of my board games and think that they would make great comics. Um, because really, you're just creating story for maybe games that don't have too much mm-hmm. richness. I think the problem... I don't know if it's necessarily a problem. I think something that 
I don't do is like when a game comes with a comic. Oh yeah, I do not read that for some reason. I don't know why. Did you uh, read the the book that came with Title Blades? I did, but and I liked that that they they tied in comics into rules. Yep, and it was and it was only tied into the rules as far as the example turns, which gets so boring to read anyway. So it did make it more interesting to read. So I did enjoy that. But I've definitely gotten a board game or five in the past that have come with a promotional comic with it to some degree that I just never pick up. Yeah, I do think, especially that they since they have Marvel in-house, and maybe this isn't the best use of Marvel's resources, but having a villainous comic. That could be cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, that could be cool in a world where they, like, we have fables. That could be an interesting try to, like work that into there right so that's Stylized. what i think yeah i think that might be kind of neat uh you know obviously i always always want to go dead of winter but we kind of already have that as far as yes we do go. have yes. so that's pretty well taken care of i do think thinking of pandemic if they did the pandemic comic kind of following like pandemic legacy i think yeah. that might be might be more interesting to me but I do think, like you said, most of the big name comics that are board games that are out there, you easily could tra- have a, a comic, you know, Twilight Imperium, um, you know, War of the, well, I guess War of the Ring wouldn't really work because it's Lord of the Rings. Uh, but Spirit Island, you easily could do it. Scythe kind of was built off artwork that existed, but you could easily do a comic there. Like a lot of them wouldn't be too hard to do. Uh Maybe we should go with Azul, Josh. Should we get an Azul comic? Uh, no. No, thank no you. that might be kind of tough. <laughs> uh, I do think Root, though, would probably be the one I'd most want. Yeah. Root I would think be a good one, yeah. Just from the art you know, that is already there, plus the uniqueness of the woodland creatures and having multiple ways you could go about it, I think Root would make a great comic. So Yeah. But, but there you go, listener. Some board game-based comics on the way. At least three of them next year, maybe more. We'll see as time goes on. Josh, what's your next topic for us? My next topic is all about our friends at IDW. R.I.P. IDW, as they say. Uh, So, I ask, will Metal Gear rise again? Uh, Is something I was thinking the second I read it. Uh, So, IDW has made itself pretty famous with publishing IP games, um, and usually relatively well. I think the Ninja Turtles games were pretty highly regarded. Um, they did do uh, the first Mochikoro and a, other, a slew of other games. They have The Legend of Korra, um, some Nickelodeon games. Um, but we knew... Well, actually, we saw the Emerson's game got canned, unfortunately. But then we yeah. were reading about the Psycho Mantis game that was coming out. That also got scrapped. Uh, not only that, but we also uh, get are getting word now that they scrapped um, a few other games. And I'm, I'm struggling to find them now, of course. Um, but... They had a bunch of games lined up to be released. They just kind of... Oh, Lock and Key was the other one, sorry. 
so unfortunately, IDW, uh, the company is still around, and I don't mean to say that at following, unfortunately. The company still exists, but unfortunately, their board game division is what's going away. They have decided uh, via an earnings uh, call, and they talked about their Q2 2021 fiscal report. Uh, they noted, quote, tabletop games uh, as a line of business from which IDWP has exited. So uh, I think this means that they probably will have sold those rights or they will revert back to Konami, at least in the case of Metal Gear. Uh, so who knows what will happen from there. But do you think uh, we will see not a Metal Gear game, but do you think we'll see Emerson's Metal Gear game um, come back out of this? That's really interesting because um, one of the other games that was canceled was Lock and Key. Yeah. And in the designer posted that they're hopefully going to be able to talk to other publishers to retheme the game and get it published. Okay. But what I find fascinating about it is that Lock and Key, that IP is owned by IDW Publishing. So why, if this game is done, why wouldn't they just sign an agreement with another board game publisher to have them publish the board game? Yeah. Especially like since like sense. season two is coming to Netflix. So right. there's going and, like, to the be game is done. interest. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just don't understand. But I am... I think if Emerson's Metal Gear game comes out, it will not be as a Metal Gear game. Yeah. It will be as something else that as you are playing, you are like, wow, this really feels like a Metal Gear solid <laughs> board game. And that's because it was, but it no longer is. Um, so I hope so. I It sounds like it was a very ambitious project yeah. that obviously was going to be very expensive. I think we talked about the MSRP had crawled up all the way up to like $125 um, when it was available for pre-order and all that good stuff. So I think that's a, a big uh, step for anyone. And I, and I think what will be hard about it is how much can you talk about or how much can he say like, oh, yeah, here's this game. It was going to be a Metal Gear Solid board game. You may have heard that we took pre-orders for this game a while ago, but this is it rethemed. Like, can you can you even say that? Like, is that a thing that can happen? You know? Yeah. You know, I was thinking maybe it could come back as Spectre Ops. Spectre Ops was a Plaid Hat game. Yep. We know Plaid Hat is independent now, but they Correct. sold their IPs to Asmodee. Asmodee. Asmodee owns Plan B games, and they just put Emerson's friend back in charge at Plan B, the woman who got him to get Century off on the road, pun intended. So maybe, in a roundabout way, Emerson can make Spectre Ops a thing with the Metal Gear design. Right. And they call it, like, Spectre Ops. Solid snake missions. 
I don't know. <laughs> Snake ops. <laughs> yeah. There, there is a lot of, um, I'm just, I was just looking while you were talking, a lot of people who are in the know apparently are saying that uh, he's trying to re-theme it and work, uh, getting it designed, re-themed. Nice. Um, maybe we should reach out to him, see if Everson wants to come on again, and then we yeah. can ask him directly, um, That's and we'll see idea. how much he can say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I hope it does. Just I know how much he worked on it and how hard he worked on it. And it's, it's a bummer to see, you know, anyone leave the board game space, but, I mean, I don't think I own an IDW game right now. Yeah, I don't. You so I own, you own Machikoro. Well, that's true, but I yeah, I mean, I guess that's technically true. Do you own the Scott Pilgrim game? I know that that's IDW. Ninety nine, no. Yeah, I mean, I guess I do own Machikoro. I just associate that now with Pandasaurus. Yeah. So, but because that was a co-published joint back in the day, but yeah, cool. Anything else about IDW? leaving the board game side of business you want to chat about no it's a bummer to see any studio go any company right. go but you know sometimes if they're not getting they keep trying to make these games and they never release them i mean that's kind of a sign that right that, uh, time to move on yeah but as far as we know public um comic book publisher idw is sticking around it's just their board yeah they're game. not going anywhere they're yeah. very successful yep it's just the board game side so all right, Josh, and then my second topic before we move on to everything else is about Gamescom Opening Night Live, Ooh. which happened last week. Jeff Keeley's show, you know, that about tied to the German game convention that he does the Opening Night Live from Los Angeles. <laughs> you know, that's cool. <laughs> um, so he had this show. It was about, they said it was going to be nine, uh, 90 minutes and then it ended up being about two hours. Um, first off, Josh, did you watch Opening Night Live? I did. Um, we don't need to talk about. We talked about already about you know length of show. But we're not going to talk about that again. But overall impression of opening night live, good, not so good. What were your thoughts about the show in general? I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Okay, that was straight <laughs> to the point. I appreciate that. Um, you got it. <laughs> what I also overall enjoyed it. Like I said, I do think it got a little long, um, but I do did appreciate the mix of games that he had. Um, had some really you know big AAA games, some really small indie like one person games, uh, and kind of everything in between, which is nice yes. to see. Right, it, it is nice to see the variety that he had there. And I think uh, for just about any gamer, you probably saw at least one game there that you were like, "Hey, that seems cool." Uh, now, depending on the type of gamer you are, you might have struggled to find two, but there was going to be probably at least <laughs> a game for everyone. Uh, but any highlights, Josh? Any games you specifically want to point out as uh, kind of getting your Spidey sense tingling? Ah, uh, that's a funny thing that you use Spidey. Because of know, course, right? of course, Marvel's Midnight Suns trailer was um, very good, I thought. I know that didn't show anything, but we get a we get a gameplay reveal on Wednesday, so tomorrow. If you're listening on release day, uh, I will say uh, fun fact: if you listen to the song in the trailer, the Metallica cover um, by Alessia Cara, who is a like Disney-ish, uh, Nickelodeon-ish singer, um, in a group that my wife had to look up. Uh, I'm trying to remember their name, but it's a group of three girls. Uh, the warning 
Uh, if you look the, up the original song, uh, the Lizzie Carr version of the audio sounds horrible. It sounds so bad, but they make it sound so good in this trailer. <laughs> uh, so I really, I'm really intrigued by this game. It's going to be fun seeing, um, like just having Blade and Wolverine next to Doctor Strange and like having that lineup of them all walk out. Uh, was so cool. I don't love the Ghost Rider uh, character model, but I think they they were going off the Agents of Shield looking Ghost Rider, which mm-hmm. is fine. You know, can't love everything. I like that the main character is a new character that you're able to customize when you play the game, which I think is cool. So you can kind of make the character your own. Um, so I'm I was excited about that. Uh. Uh, there's two big bummers for me in this. Um, oh, what are your big bummers? That TMNT and Horizon officially confirmed to 2022, which is a bummer for me. I was really hoping for holiday this year. Yeah, you got Forza. You're fine. Yeah, I know. I will totally be fine <laughs> with Forza. Um, but uh, I think it's great to see April O'Neil added as a character in TMNT. Yeah. Um, I know people are kind of all over the place on their thoughts on her being in the game, uh, from not wanting her at all to why does she have a microphone, uh, um, to loving that she's like using Kung Fu and stuff to, she never used Kung Fu in the show to like (laughs) me saying, just get over yourselves. It's a, you have a SpongeBob fighting game. You can let April and he'll be in, <laughs> which she's also going to she's be in that Nickelodeon in. Yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, so good for that. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm scrolling through the list. I think I'm more interested in the Lego Star Wars Skywalker saga mm-hmm. after seeing the trailer than okay. I was before because I was I've never really gotten to the Lego games myself. But they seem to be doing a little bit more with these ones, maybe adding more perspectives and control options, and and the graphics look really nice. So um, I think that could be cool. I'm very interested in Outlast Trials because I really like the Outlast games. Oh, yeah. So that seemed interesting that they're trying a new spin on it. Um. And I want to like New World, but it just seems too MMO for me. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's definitely some. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go rambling on because I don't know what you have that you want to cover. <laughs> but uh, I think for me, what I saw, I was interested in fifty percent of the stuff they showed. That's a pretty big percentage. Yeah, compared to like how I've been recently with other. Um, I mean, not to buy, but at least interested in checking out more of them. So for me, overall, I enjoyed the show. Like I said, it did get a little long, uh, I thought. just I also had it on in the background at work, so I, I wasn't paying attention the whole time. Um, but one thing before we get too far, Josh, I did want to ask you about. Uh, what did you think of the Saints Row reveal? I did. So did they show gameplay at all somewhere? Because I thought I saw someone talking about gameplay. I uh, I'm trying to remember if the that trailer showed gameplay or if it was in the video that came later. That I think it might have been later. Um, I'm interested to check out the gameplay. 
Uh, I had no problem with the trailer. I don't know that it really showed uh, too much to me about what the game is going to be, but I never played the Saints Row game, so I don't have any emotion tied to it at all. I knew it was like... And I know... My impression of Saints Row is somewhere in between Grand Theft Auto and Crackdown... But a more comedic, uh, maybe even gross Grand Theft Auto. Like maybe if like Trey Parker or Matt Stone wrote it. Um, <laughs> but that's just my impression. Like I don't even necessarily know um, much about the game. I'm, yeah, watching, I- I'm watching gameplay trailer right now though. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, it, it is kind of interesting because... I have never played a Saints Row game. I really didn't have much desire to play a Saints Row game. And I really enjoyed that trailer. I, as a tone piece of understanding what they're going for, I really enjoyed it. I liked the characters. I thought they were fun. They were, yeah. seemed cool. Like, I want to hang out with them. And then I watched kind of that seven-minute trailer they released later. And I think this might be the first time I play a Saints Row game. Now, the problem being is coming out in February, which is yeah, when Horizon is coming out <laughs> and when the Destiny expansion is coming out and Sifu is coming out. <coughs> and, you know, apparently February 2022 is now when all the hotness is happening. Yeah. Uh, but I, like I said, am far more interested in Saints Row than I ever thought I would be. Uh, it actually kind of made me want to go play the other Saints Row games. Because I think I own multiple of them. Uh, I just never played them. So <laughs> uh, interesting way to kick off the show, though. I think the people who are super into it are super into it. So that's good. Uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns, I, this game has obviously been rumored for a really long time. We kind of knew or had been percolating that this game was coming. Um, and you know, four weeks ago, I would have said, I'm not interested in playing this game. And I know it's not exactly the same, but darn it. If (laughs) I know exactly where you're going, (laughs) where am I going, Josh? If it's anything like Mario X Rabbids, I am in. <laughs> Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle has expanded my horizons <laughs> in the games I'm willing to take a look at now. Now, I will say, knowing what I know about Firaxis games, I feel like I probably am going to want to play this on PC if I'm playing it anywhere. Yeah. So, Which I have a reasonable PC now, so maybe I will play it. But I am more interested in that game than I ever thought I was going to be. Uh, I thought the campaign gameplay slash trailer for Call of Duty Vanguard was... was Man, video games look pretty. Goodness yes. gracious, do video games look pretty. Um, and I'm kind of interested to kind of see where that game goes. Um, I think, what are what are your thoughts on the Halo Infinite release date? You cool with the December release date there? Uh, I'm worried about that release date. Okay. Because they're already cutting out so much stuff that should be in the release with Halo. Yeah. It just And actually, maybe I'm not so much worried about the release date as... I am worried about what the game will be when it comes out on that day. Because that game is coming out on that day. It's not going to get delayed. Yeah. Um, so I'm really wondering how how close are they coming to trying to get this campaign finished? And what does that mean? Like, are they cutting corners? Are they cutting stuff out and making it like, like going, oh, we're going to have to make this DLC or something? Or like... Uh, I don't know, but like coming from a fan who has no idea about how game development works, well, right. some some idea, but not like even remotely close. The in my brain, the decision to cut out co op 
from all the past Halo games I've played, doesn't seem like that is part of something that you would just cut out. It seems like it would be seamlessly made while you're making the campaign. Right. Because in Halo, like you're playing you're playing specific characters. You're not playing generic not like not you're not playing four Master Chiefs. You're not playing uh one Master Chief and four Spartans. You're playing a fully voiced character, sometimes not even a human. Like yeah. in Halo Three, you're playing um geez, now my brain is farting. I want to say Covenant, and I think that's correct. You're playing Covenant and Spartans together, and you have your own voice. So like how is that how is that already not being incorporated in the campaign? And then now what is co-op campaign going to be? Yeah. I my only worry is I, I I believe and I'm confident that it's going to be a good campaign because it kind of has to be, right? Like at this point it it really needs to be. My concern is that is it full price game worthy campaign? Because if you think about it, the multiplayer is free. Well, and I have Game Pass, so I'm not buying I, you it. You do. Yes, <laughs> yeah. you have Game Pass. I know, I know, but I know. does the average person walking to a store they see Halo, is that worth sixty dollars that right. campaign? You know? And obviously worth is divided hey, up. You mean seventy dollars. What's that? You mean seventy dollars. They're not charging seventy for it, are they? It's a next gen game. But right, that was a, that was a PlayStation thing though. That was not an Xbox thing. Oh, is Xbox not? I thought Xbox was I don't also know, charging. Maybe they are. I have no idea. I haven't looked. NBA 2K was eighty. Well, but since Microsoft's publishing it, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, mean, I have no while idea. While we're talking, let me go to. See, this is the other thing about uh, being on Game Pass is that <laughs> I never look at the price of Microsoft games, other than the when we looked yesterday or last week, and I saw that you know getting the fancy version of Forza was a hundred bucks. Yeah. But, Okay, yeah, you're right. It's sixty bucks. I yeah. first I thought it was gonna be seventy. No, I mean I'm so, okay with that price. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's fine. I just when that's you're literally charging sixty dollars for a campaign, right? Like that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. In so, that case, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's my only concern is that is that worth it? Um, hopefully it is. And uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to jumping back in, and I used to be a huge Halo person, and hopefully I will be again in the future. So. Uh, outside of that, though, you know, Lego Star Wars, uh, the Skywalker Saga, I've been excited for this game, you know, for like two years at this point. So I'm uh, looking forward to play it because I do like playing the Lego games with the partner. They're they're a good time and, and fun had by all there. Uh, Far Cry 6, like I said, I didn't need to see any more of that game. Um, yeah. I'm already looking Same. forward to playing it. So uh, Jet the Far Shore, I'm excited it has a release date in early October. It, it, the game looks really quirky and weird, and I know that there are previews out about it. It's getting pretty mixed preview feedback, uh, and that's the kind of game I like. I usually <laughs> universally praised or universally hated. I'm like, meh, but when a game is mixed, I'm in, because I like to see what are they doing that's, that's making people uh, super upset, because I think those are where interesting decisions are usually made. Yeah. So, uh, outside of that, then really for me, the only other big thing was uh, Sifu uh, getting that release date in, fe- in February. That game continued to look continues to look really cool and really fun. Uh, I am ha- excited to play it. Bum that's coming out like four days after Horizon Two is. Yeah. Uh, but hey, that's okay. It'll be a little um, palate cleanser, you know. Uh, and <laughs> the only other thing I think to say really about Gamescom right now is. Uh, 
I did re-download Genshin Impact. I haven't started playing it again, though, but I did re-download it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I get that pop-up. Yeah, so... But yeah, overall, I thought Gamescom opening night live was good. Um, it was it was definitely kind of worth the time, if you would. Though I wish it had been a little bit shorter. Had I not been working during it, I think I probably would have been a bit more annoyed than I was. <laughs> so cool. All right, with that, then, Josh, is there anything else you want to say about Gamescom? I will say Saints Row does look good. That gameplay does look good. It does remind me of GTA Five, which isn't a bad thing at all. Um, and I will say, I don't think this happened at Gamescom, but it happened like Gamescom adjacent. Uh, if you uh, are on the fence on Forza Horizon 5 at all. They did put out the opening um, uh, eight minutes of the game where they put you through like uh, a bunch of different of the like the atmospheres in the game, which is like the staple of Horizon games where they make you do crazy things at the start of the game to get to the Horizon Festival. And that was a lot of fun to watch. I'm really excited to play that game. Is there anybody who's on the fence about that game, Josh? Uh, I think there must be. There's new... Okay, with Xbox One... Uh, seri- sorry. Oh, boy. Xbox Series X uh-huh. and S. And new... Yeah. There's so many new Game Pass subscribers. Yeah. There has to be people who've never played a Forza game. Right, but if they have Game Pass, there's no brisk to it. There's nothing to be on the fence uh, about. Maybe if I wasn't here telling you to play racing games all the time... Would you have just on your own tried a racing game on Game Pass? No, but I okay. did try it and I still didn't like it. So sure, but there's people out there <laughs> like that who need that little push. I suppose that's true. I suppose that's true. Okay, don't try to take this away from me. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Josh. I'm sorry. All right, with that, we're going to move on to our homework updates. Every two weeks, we give one another homework and report back on how it's been going and assign some new homework to one another. Um. Two weeks ago, I assigned Josh to play Dodgeball Academia, and obviously we have heard how that is going, and he assigned me to play Asonia, and that got taken care of as well. Um, so, Josh, I, I award you an A-plus for your work with Dodgeball oh, Academia. thank you. So, especially thank since you. you only have one day left. That's impressive. One day in game time, so it could be... I don't know when I'm going to finish it. <laughs> right, but I you only had to play an hour, and how many hours are you into it now? Oh, too many hours. Uh, it's <laughs> it's right now it is paused on my living room TV so I can get back to it when we're done. <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, Josh, so uh, what is my assignment for two weeks from now? Ah, oh, that is a great question. You know what I was thinking about it, and uh, I don't know if I want to give you it. Easy one or a hard one. I think what I want, let me see. I might want to just do one of the things that we've been doing. While uh, you think about it, do you want me to assign yours? Because I already know what yours is going to be. Oh, you do? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. So answer one question for me first, because this is important. Uh, you do have Game Pass Ultimate, so you have it on PC, correct? That is correct. Awesome. So you, for two weeks from now, Josh, need to play Humankind. Ooh, good because I've I have it installed already. Excellent. Um, and did you do that from the surprise me? No, I didn't. I have uh, been okay. looking at it, and since it is basically Civ, I was like, Josh needs to play this game. So now I'm making him. Okay, cool. Uh, I was doing the surprise me thing, but I'm not happy with anything that's coming up. Uh, so I think you know what I want you to do since. Uh, I own it and you own it. I want you to play an hour, at least an hour of Aliens Fire Team. 
All right. Done. It will and happen. We, so if we can make our schedules work out to some degree, we should try to put it together, but I'm not holding my breath on that. <laughs> okay. So in two weeks, Josh will have needed to play Humankind and Kyle will need to have played Aliens Fire Team. Awesome. With that, we have some listener questions this week, Josh. Why don't you take us through them? Yes. Uh first off we got an email from our good friend, Mr. Paul Calico, who just as we learned, caught up with us. Uh, Paul does the same work I do, so I know that it is hard to listen to podcasts during summer. Uh, I, you know, God bless you, Paul, for listening to your podcast at two times speed. I don't understand how anyone can listen to me at one time speed, so maybe I sound better at two times speed. <laughs> I will say, I actually listen to my podcast at one and a half times speed. Yeah. But in general, I also talk faster than most people do in podcasts. So sure. I can't imagine listening to me at two times speed because <laughs> I, I think talk really said, quickly. Yeah, I think he said two times speed. I, I don't know. But he missed the contest. By the way, congratulations to Paul for winning our contest because he did message me and ask me about the contest. And I didn't tell him exactly what it was. I just told him where to find it. Um, so congrats, Paul. We get some swag. Headed out your way soon. Uh, so Paul says, hey guys, I have a question for the show. With TMNT Shredder's Revenge coming soon-ish, still no date that he knows of, because this was before right. uh, the show. Uh, actually, no, he just missed the, the date, because he says they just announced April as a playable character. So Paul is probably watching that at two times speed. Yeah, but also 2022. <laughs> I mean, that's so bad. I mean, that's a 12-month window. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, he says, do you do y'all think it will have six or eight characters? And would you like who would you like to see fill the open slots? I'm hoping for eight characters. Thanks, guys. So we know now we have five characters. We have Donatello, Michelangelo, Raphael, Donatello, April O'Neil. Yes. I think it will be I think it'll be eight characters. I think oh. they could do more. Mm-hmm. Um but I think this is what I think. Uh if it was just gonna be six characters, they're gonna add Casey Jones. That's what I think. That makes sense. I think what we do see, though, is I think we see Casey Jones, uh-huh. uh, Splinter, uh-huh. and Metalhead added. Oh, okay. That's what I think. Because, I mean, they have they have this game that they're building from the ground up that is made to emulate an emulated game <laughs> uh, yeah. that people are playing now. Uh, why not add, if they have this extra time now, why not add a couple more characters? Yeah, the the only thing I run into is that outside of adding Casey Jones and Splinter, yeah, there's no other or Usagi unquote, Yojimbo. like quote unquote good character side oh, that I'm really excited ouch. to uh, no that I'm really excited to play. That's what yeah. I'm saying. There are other characters obviously, but there's none that like jump out to me. I would much rather play as like Baxter Stockman or something like that. Like that uh, to me would be yeah, it'd be a bad. <laughs> well, I just think it, those characters to me are more interesting or getting to play as like Bebop or Rocksteady or something like that, actually. Yeah. I think would be more fun, but I would agree, honestly, with your remaining characters. That's what I assume they will do as well if they go up to eight. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Usagi Ujimbo would be a great addition as well. Uh, you know who that is, right? The run- bunny rabbit yeah, samurai? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Cool. Uh, thanks for I your question. I couldn't remember the name. Because I was trying to oh. think, I'm like, I know it's a really like cool name, but I just I was struggling to pull it out, and then you got there. Yeah, yeah. TMNT always on my mind. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Paul, for the question. And we have another our two best, two best. I shouldn't have put best as a qualifier for our listeners. You're all 
our best listeners. Our two most frequent listen listener contributors. contributors. <laughs> Follow us on Paul from Paul to Ash Blake at Dopalicious on Twitter. Tweets. This will be a fun one. Uh let me pull up my shoe out of my mouth before I read this. <laughs> <clears throat> So he says, uh, how slash what can we do to prevent situations like what happened with Broken Token and others? Um, I.e., how do you empower the victim to be able to say no? I don't like boycotts because they punish innocent people, but doing nothing feels worse. Now, here's what I'll say. We don't know the answer to this, right? Uh, Because we haven't. That I know, I can't speak for you, but I haven't been a victim to something like this. Um, so I don't really have like the right answer or like my a first person effort to that. Uh, but this is what I'll say about the, the latter. Having doing a lot more research on what's going on and listening to a lot of more people talk about it. Um, the line that says, like, I don't like boycotts because they punish innocent people, but doing nothing feels worse. I agree it does feel worse, but now learning about what's going on, it's actually worse to boycott to a degree. For if you're trying to support the victims, it is worse to boycott. But that but it's not it's not so black and white, right? Like because in that case, you're, I don't know, it's really difficult. There's a potential for a boycott to make the victims lose their jobs. Yes. That is the potential. That is a potential. Um, there's a potential for a boycott to have the victims make less money. Yep. Um, depending on what their bonus structure looks like or contracts uh, or or if they're currently working on a game that gets shut down by one of the studios because it goes under or whatever. Um, I just really wish there was a clear way to show support for the victims and punish the victimizers. And I, I don't know that there is one. Yeah, this is a tough question. Um, for a company like Broken Token, things like boycotts, I think, can be more. Man, I say I think a lot. Goodness That's a good gracious. point. There are other options. You can't go buy Diablo 2 from someone else, but you can go buy a game organizer from somebody else. You can. And, you know, like Broken Token, yes, there are other employees there. Uh, so they would still be injured by you not purchasing from them because they could potentially lose their job but there's a more direct uh, impact on the ceo or the person who was doing uh, the victimizing in that situation whereas for those big corporations it's like okay is the ceo's bonus going to be 10 million dollars or 8 million dollars right like the impact of a boycott feels significantly less um and we you know we've had creators come out and say like hey you know boycotting doesn't work the way you think it does you know it might make you feel better but it really doesn't help us much you know and Others may disagree with that, but there definitely has been that sentiment that has now been put out there. Uh, And I think, you know, how do we prevent this in the future? There are always going to be bad apples, right? To a degree. There always are going to be some people who do not treat others the way that they should be treated. However, what we can do is work to reduce the chances of, of that happening. And 
really as dudes like we need to be accountable to one another like if your friends say stupid crap like call them out on it like you know the whole idea of boys will be boys like no like that doesn't have to be that way right we use it as an excuse for bad behavior let's correct the behavior and start teaching each other and hold one another accountable for the way that we should be treating one another it, it really isn't um I say it's not that complicated in the sense of like what we need to do, but it is that doesn't mean it's easy to do, right? It, it is a challenging thing to do, and it, and it is going to take a long time to truly um, create change. But when you're when you're changing a culture, it takes time. That's not something that's going to happen overnight. Uh, but every single instance of calling someone out for behavior they're not supposed to be doing, for um, you know. Being a good bystander and stepping in, you know, when you see something that makes you uncomfortable or when you see somebody who's clearly in an uncomfortable situation um, and doing that and recognizing that it isn't about us necessarily, right? It's not about making us feel better. It's about um, trying to make the the world that we live in just more equitable for everyone. So, you know, I, I don't want to be like, because there was that article that came out from like, ea or whoever that was like oh when you're in a company this big like you can't prevent harassment from happening um you're right there are always gonna be jerks but that doesn't mean you don't work every day to remove that from being a possibility um so yeah i I just think we just need to continue doing and fighting the good fight and and being accountable to one another and you know like when we make mistakes owning up to the mistakes that we may that we may have made and and moving forward with it, like this is going to be a learning process in the sense of, you know, we 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 have people talk all the time. I remember very distinctly I had a friend at one point who was like, you know, I wasn't raised and taught to um, treat women poorly. I was like, well, right. I mean, that wasn't the specific message you were given, but the message like where we got to with you is you do treat women poorly. So like, I don't know, like there's some disconnect there, right? Like there's something happening in between there. Like, yeah, that may not have been the message, but that's still what you learned. Um, so we need to, you know, work on being very cognizant of what we're saying and what we're teaching people and how we're, and how we're holding one another accountable. So I think it can happen. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some commitment and it's something that we all need to do. Um, but I think we can get there. It's just gonna, it's going to be a little bit of effort to make that happen. So all right. Well, thanks so much for your questions. Obviously, we always want to hear from you, dear listeners. So please do not hesitate to reach out, whether it be via email or social media. Um, we want to have these conversations with you. Uh, with that, we're going to move on towards wrapping the show up. So we're going to give you our recommendations for our a well-rounded life, um, something that we're currently into that's helping us live that balanced life that isn't necessarily gaming related. So, Josh, what is your recommendation this week? Okay, so uh, I considered a few things. I watched some shows. I saw a movie, but uh, ultimately, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to be that cliche person, and I'm going to say, um, yesterday we lost a very uh, important family member in my uh, in my life and in my family, and she lived in Florida. So I didn't get to see her as much as I wanted to. So I would say uh, if you have someone in your life that you uh, love or are even fond of and you don't talk to them very much, and I know that the pandemic has kind of uh, separated some people and in certain cases brought people closer, um, uh, find a way to make it work. If you get to teach someone how to Skype or Zoom, 
do that if you can just call them. But uh, if there's someone in your life that you think uh, you want them in it more, uh, do that. And and uh, it's not too late to fix that. So uh, because you never know when that person will be gone. Uh, so yeah. Uh, do that. <laughs> Kyle, what's your recommendation? Well, much love to you, to you and your family, Josh. And I, I know we had talked about this and, you know, we kind of knew it was probably coming, but it doesn't make it any easier. So much Correct. love to you and your family and, and all that stuff. So thank you. Um, well, with that, I guess <laughs> I know, my sorry. recommendation. No, don't be nothing to be sorry about. Nothing to be sorry about. Uh, <laughs> my recommendation, surprise, surprise, is a documentary, Josh. No, hey. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, and that is a, de- a documentary on Netflix called Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed. So, of course, you know, I, I was hesitant about watching this because I was like, you know, I kind of like Bob Ross. I just want to keep being able to like Bob Ross. Like, I didn't really know what this is going to be about, especially when you look at the title. You're like, oh, goodness gracious. It's Bob Ross, something different than I than I thought he was. And for the most part, no, Bob Ross is who you think he is. So that's good. Um, but this is just talk a little bit about um, the perspective of some people about the Bob Ross name and likeness as it's used today, basically. So it talks mostly about Bob Ross's life, kind of how he got to where he was and, you know, his passing. But then kind of the end of it talks about the business practices of those who own his image and likeness moving forward. Um, so it is kind of an interesting look into how business is done and how business is done, especially when you have one person or an icon being the entire face of a company and, and really the reason a company is successful is because of one person um, and, and the image that that person has and then what happens then when that person is no longer there, you know, and how does that work moving forward and, and what role, if any, does the family or should the family have in determining that, um, especially when contracts are involved and all that other good stuff. So, like I said, it, it, I don't think it'll – if you're someone who loves Bob Ross, you're like, oh, no, I don't want to watch this thing where it's going to destroy this person that – don't don't really need to worry about that. There's some things in there that are maybe a slightly controversial, but for the most part, I don't think Bob Ross comes off looking too bad. Um, but it does, like I said, talk a lot about the business stuff uh, since his passing. So go ahead. Check it out on Netflix. Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Let's do that. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, be like Paul. Paul emails us at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag Board with Fiji. So please use that hashtag as well on all social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone board with video games feed. Uh, in lieu of my plugs, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to send out a congratulations to play some video games for recording their first uh, return to form uh, podcast called Play Some Video Games. It is out for patrons now, uh, so there's a chance that you can listen to it if you are listening now. Otherwise, it does hit the regular feed. Um, Probably as you're hearing this now, it should be available. But um, uh, yeah, shout out to Elaine, Donnie, Dev, and Delvin on starting PSVG Backup 
So you can go and listen to that show or watch it and kind of get a good mix of everything um, in the gaming world all under one hat. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me at all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As a reminder, Metafall 2021 is going on right now, so be sure to enter at bit.ly slash Metafall 2021, all lowercase, uh, by 11.59 p.m. Central Time on Sunday, September 5th. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, Never stop gaming.